Let me speak a couple of things to you first to say, Peyton, I just love to hear you read the scripture. I dearly do. And you have blessed me today greatly. Do you all remember that Peyton was one of our confirmands this year? And so she recently professed her faith in front of us, and we are so proud of her in so many ways. We're glad for her participation this morning. And some of the Wesley ringers have slipped out. They've heard this sermon already. (laughs) But didn't they do great? Wasn't that incredible? Some of you will know that, that Sandy started with them about a year and a half ago, and they have come from, the best way to put this is humble beginnings to a very glorious place. They really have, and it has been a celebration for us as we have welcomed them into uh, regular worship uh, appearances, and we are grateful for all that has gone on. Um, you picked up on the song that, that they just played for us during the offertory, didn't you? That is so apropos, so appropriate uh, for this week, a hymn of promise, and all the sadness, the grief that we have experienced, especially that has swept across the campus and through this community, and uh, so, so moving to hear them play this. But I don't know if you got the first one. I want to make sure that you do understand how powerful this is. Because the first song that they did is called 10,000 Reasons. Uh, Generally, in the uh, church in recent years, contemporary worship has tried to um, incorporate into its style of of ministry and worship uh, music that it has received and cherished from traditional worship. Uh, And so the direction for that has been to move from traditional to contemporary. In this case, contemporary moves back into traditional because this is a popular song that is sung regularly in contemporary worship. If you haven't heard it before, I would encourage you to, to find a place online where you can listen to it because it's a beautiful song with such rich words and it's called 10,000 Reasons. And uh, we, uh, we appreciate the handbell choir, the Wesley Ringers, for bringing this in to our worship today. It shows the connection that we all have and that we claim together. That our hearts are made complete as we worship before our Lord. Some of you may be thinking that at the beginning of the service there was a mistake and we got the hymn number wrong and we were singing a Christmas hymn. Did any of you think that? It wasn't a mistake. It was uh, chosen for special purpose. Some of you may remember that, that Jonathan and I both made reference to the fact that around December uh, we celebrate the birth of Christ, but there really is, is uh, no way for us to know exactly when Jesus was born, and the, all, in all likelihood, December the 25th is closer to the date that John the Baptizer was born than it was Jesus. And we're getting very close to the time in the year uh, now in which it is said that Jesus may have actually been born. Now, that's a one good reason to include it, but another good reason to include this. Christmas carol 
for us is to remember that just as every Sunday, every day is a little Easter for us, every day is also a little Christmas for us as we celebrate the coming, the birthing of God into this world. Don't you do that today? Don't you celebrate God's coming amidst us anew? As we share together in remembering the scripture, think with me on these verses. When you can't hear, it affects everything. Some of you have had the opportunity to meet my father who has visited with us in worship and in small groups on occasion, even just recently. He struggles with his hearing. He has such a difficult time hearing what is being said. His hearing loss is profound, the doctors tell us. We have great hopes later this week that some new hearing aids that have been ordered and that will be placed in his ears will assist him in being able to hear us. I was speaking with him on the telephone. Somehow this preacher voice gets through, I suppose. He is able to hear what I say. And he told me, though, he said in the conversation, he said, your sister, my sister Nancy, had called him just in the past three days. And in that conversation, he heard her say, hello, And then he couldn't hear anything else that she was saying until the very end when she was screaming into the telephone and he heard her say, I will email you. (laughs) He struggles, he struggles with his hearing because why? Hearing communicates information and it communicates emotion. And it gives the opportunity for connecting with people when you cannot hear what they're saying. And some of you know very well what I'm talking about. When you cannot hear what is being said, you almost feel like you're being left out of the conversation when you want to be able to talk and want to be able to relate. It's like this for humans. But you know, it's like this for animals as well. Sue and I walk early in the morning and we have the occasion to see animals on these walks. Occasionally we will see deer in our walking and frequently we will see rabbits. Sue talks to the animals. I talk to the animals and they run away, but Sue talks in mother ease, in her high-pitched voice and the animals will stop. They will pause and look at her. I'm not speaking an untruth here. This is no exaggeration. They will stop mid-stride and look back to hear Sue talking to them. I expect any moment now that rabbits will come up around her feet. It is a beautiful thing to witness. They listen. We have a little dachshund at our house who is very precious, whose name is Tootie. We love Tootie. I think particularly Tootie loves me, but we both love Tootie. I speak to Tootie. 
Tootie listens to me. Tootie smiles at me. Don't tell me she does not smile (laughs) at me. I know she does. She smiles when I talk to her. Maybe you have a precious pet like this too that listens and relates to you. Living with the scripture this week, I've been hanging on the fact that Jesus was talking to his disciples and to those that were close around him about the shepherd's voice and the sheep. I found a YouTube video. And so let me ask you to take a pencil out right now and write this down. Just, just grab the edge of the bulletin or whatever. Don't write in the hymnal, okay? Don't tear a page out of the hymnal. But get the bulletin and write this down. You'll want to go to YouTube and then type in the words, do sheep only obey their master's voice? And watch that video. Because in it you will be astounded. There are several persons that come to the edge of a fence, the edge of a field in which there are sheep. They try their best to coax the sheep. The sheep will not look at them at all. But when the farmer comes up, the shepherd of the sheep comes up and he calls out the sheep immediately. Pay attention. Watch that video this afternoon. You'll be blessed by it. Do sheep only obey their master's voice? The simple answer is yes. They are the ones that are listening for the master's voice. It's a beautiful thing to behold. A popular selection of scripture especially for funerals in our day and age, is Psalm 23. And it is a powerful passage. It begins with the words, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. You know this, don't you? It comes to your mind. In fact, you are probably speaking the rest of it in your mind, even as I'm talking now. You know this scripture. Even though Jesus did not reference that passage directly, I feel that in his day and age, it probably was as popular as it is in our day and age. They knew it well. And when he talked about a shepherd, they thought to themselves those words that come to our mind, that the Lord is our shepherd Such a powerful idea of who God is. But Jesus said this. He said, I am the good shepherd. And those were fighting words, at least for some people, in regard to the way in which Jesus saw himself and how he expected his followers to see him. In the 19th verse, which we did not get to in the reading this morning, it says that, again, the Jews were divided because of these words. Many of them were saying, he has a demon and is out of his mind. Why listen to him? Others were saying, these are not the words of one who has a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? In verse 3 through 5 that precedes the reading for this morning, This is what Jesus says to his disciples. 
The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes ahead of them, and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. They will not follow a stranger, but they will run from him because they do not know the voice of strangers. I haven't been around sheep a whole lot. But I hear that on the hillsides that they are in danger. And so the shepherds share watch over each other's sheep. They're mixed together on the hillside. But they've spent time with their sheep from the moments of their birth. Speaking to them, caring for them so that their sheep know them. At night it was the practice that they would be corralled together. And when they were gathered in... All of the shepherds could take turns getting a little bit of rest at night until the next morning. And they got up and looked out and all their sheep were mixed together. What are they to do? The beautiful thing about this is that a shepherd's sheep knows the shepherd's voice. They say it's incredible that a shepherd can stand at a distance from the gate And only those sheep that are his will actually come out the gate and go to him. Powerful, powerful image. Making us realize that the voice of the good shepherd is something that you and I should be listening for. Some people worry over this. In fact, I think that's the very reason that John included this story. He didn't have to include it. He didn't include all the stories. There are far more stories than could be told, remember, he says, that are included in the scriptures. But he included this story in particular. And why was it? It was for the purpose of us remembering that Jesus, when he speaks, we would know his voice, those who are his own. There are people that share with me on occasion their worry about whether they are really Christian or not. In fact, even the founder of our denomination, John Wesley, continued to write over and over in his journal, Am I yet a Christian? I believe he knew the voice of God. He knew the Good Shepherd's voice just as you do. You may not realize it, but you have spent time with God. You are spending time with him in prayer. You are studying the scripture. You are immersing yourself in what it means to be one of his. And friends, let me give you the assurance that you will know God's voice, especially at that moment when he calls you home. Joe Carson, storyteller, and playwright, NPR commentator of some years past, died just four years ago. She was born in Johnson City, Tennessee. She died in Johnson City, Tennessee. Twenty years ago, after she had attained some renown for her work, She was contacted by a resident of Colquitt, Georgia, to come down and to write a play for the community. She took them up on that offer. 
And she went there and she began to read the stories of the people. And as she read in the history books and as she talked with people, she began to piece together something that finally became known as swamp gravy. I don't know if any of you have had the opportunity to go. Sue and I went just a few years ago. We were overwhelmed with it. It is hosted in an old cotton warehouse. Seating is in the round. And the cast is drawn from the local businesses. What you see in the theater on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, you can find Monday through Friday in the Western Auto Store or at the fire station or at the gas station. It's a beautiful thing that they do. There, when we were sitting in the audience, we were overwhelmed with how invested they were in the story. And as the story shared these lives of of characters that were well-known in Miller County, we we rejoiced at learning about them as well. I became aware that there was a very frail woman that was seated at the edge, but almost on the stage with some of the actors. She had no part to play, but every actor and actress who would speak a line or sing, this frail little lady would repeat word for word, miming what they were saying. It was incredible. I thought to myself, she must have seen this a hundred times. I came to find out at the intermission that this frail little lady who died just four years ago of colon cancer, was Joe Carson, the playwright. It was was fascinating to see how the cast played to her. Oh, they knew that we were all there to hear. And so they acted out toward the entire audience. But you could tell that they particularly were training their spirits upon this precious woman who was right close to them on the stage. And she was connected with every word that they were saying. Toward the end of Swamp Gravy, there is the remembrance and the giving of thanks for those that have had their stories told in the, in the play. And so the names are mentioned one after the other. And as their names are called, we are remembering as the audience things that made them fascinating to us. And so we rejoice at the mentioning of their names. But what caught us off guard as Sue and I sat there is that the name list continued. And some of the names we did not know, but some of the names were from the community that we had driven from. Somebody had done their research because some of the names that were called out 
in Swamp Gravy that evening that we were there, I had buried them myself. I had done their funerals. I was completely caught off guard. To think that they had paid attention to who was going to be in their audience enough to find out who the ones were that had died that were closest to them in recent times. I tell you, I felt the spirit of Joe Carson in that place that night, but in addition to it, I felt the spirit of God at work. It was absolutely moving. Some of you that were here last week may remember me mentioning that my mother, who died at the end of November this past year, visits me in my dreams. And not to return too much to all of this, but I do want to tell you that usually it's in my dreams very simply uh, that she will speak a word, occasionally my voice when she does appear. And I don't have to see her, but it's like I'm six years old again. And she, the quintessential southern matriarch, my mother, makes my one-syllable name into two syllables. Be y'all, she calls me into supper. Be y'all, almost like lassie. What wonderful memories touch my heart. You know where John goes with this, don't you? Because not only does he talk about Jesus is saying, I am the good shepherd and the sheep know my voice. But he ends his telling of the good news of Christ when he is coming in for his closings. He has Mary Magdalene there at the tomb that has been opened and her Lord is not there. And she has fallen down in a crumpled heap. And the gardener comes up behind. And all he has to say is, Mary. And she knows who it is. She knows who it is. Do you wonder and think, Will I know? John has written this very gospel to assure you, you will know. You and I will know. We are his sheep. We will know his voice. Now there's a danger in that. Because some people that hear the Lord's voice get it in their mind that they're the only ones that know the Lord's voice. Do you know anybody like that? Have you ever met anybody that has heard the Lord? And I I don't doubt that they have heard the Lord, but they've heard the Lord in their way and they know that you couldn't have heard the Lord. They look with suspicion and judgment on the way that anybody else might hear the Lord. Even if they say, I love the Lord Jesus Christ, they will say, how could you love the Lord Jesus Christ being who you are? Do you know anybody like that? I do. 
Always suspicioning. Always questioning who the Lord might speak to. There's a danger in this. I want to particularly read for us the words of Jesus as he says, I have other sheep that do not belong to this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. I don't know. Maybe this is what they got upset about. Maybe this is why they said he has a demon and is out of his mind. Why listen to him? Maybe they were not so much upset at the fact that he had spoken that he was the good shepherd, but that this means that others would be included that they had not expected initially. This is pretty simple fare. The takeaway is not complicated. You and I, who hear the Lord's voice, are called to share the Lord's voice. Let me say that again. You and I, who have heard the Lord's voice, are called to share the Lord's voice. For who knows whom we might share it to that is a part of those that he is gathering into his fold.